Hello and welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland here with Philip Sipe today. And today we're going to talk about uh, the pink tax and a uh, uh, how that associates to men and then also the occasional blue tax that crops up and really as a whole, capitalism, consumerism, uh, marketing and grifting and just a big old rant about the system. Am I right, Philip? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, as with anything like this, you know, inevitably, you are going to be touching on a lot of things that are, um, you know, in some cases, uh, topics that could have their own podcast dedicated to them, and, and never run out of material in a lifetime. So obviously, we are going to be missing some things in an hour-long conversation. So I ask kindly for some charity uh, as, uh, you know, we are, there are many lenses by which to evaluate uh, things like this. And so, um, you know, we are going to uh, uh, miss some angles to take this uh, inevitably as we can't talk about the whole thing. Anyway, I just wanted to leave with that because uh, I recognize that when you start talking about, you know, something as big as like, you know, capitalism or consumerism, uh, you get uh, a lot of people who are expecting to hear a particular angle on that. And I just want to make sure that everyone's aware that we may miss your favorite take on those things uh, yeah. in favor of keeping it to an hour. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that's uh, something that, we often struggle with on the left and not, I hope I don't shock and surprise and anybody just dropped their drink right now to know that we kind of both ideologically sit somewhere on the left, but it's, it's something we often struggle with where we start to talk about these kind of topics, not just we, but we is a universal we, and because we miss little parts of it because talking about, um, uh, ba the correct word is here is escaping me, but using ideology uh, is is the word to fill in the blank there. When we talk about ideology, it is a massive expanse of thousands of books that a person can study, and there is no way to always be all encompassing, and that's fine. Like, but anyways, yeah, I'm we're kind of getting off topic there, but diving right into it is the pink tax and the fact that yes, the pink tax is real, which was something that I found when I started studying this online, was a lot of people trying to argue that the pink tax isn't real, which astounds and sort of confuses me because it's something right in front of our face whenever we go into the store and we see products in front of us that, I mean, like, especially myself as a very frequent tool consumer, this is something that, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like all men who consume tools know this. Um, specifically, if you're buying tools as a gift for a woman in your life who is, or, or a feminine presenting person in your life who is getting interested in tools, and you ever, you know, you, you think, oh, maybe I'll find her something that's cool and pink. And then you immediately find out that those pink tools are A, way more expensive, and B, absolute garbage and that follows through a lot of capitalism and and sometimes it's the exact same product just being 
pay it's just one gender is having to pay more than the other gender oftentimes too it is one inferior product be existing or also uh, being at a way higher price than a better product. Uh, and this happens on both sides of the spectrum with skincare products. I see this a lot where there are skincare products that are directed to men that are absolutely terrible products. But they say, hey, yes, this is lava soap for your face. Uh, it's good to have a hardcore exfoliant in your face soap because you're a real man and your real man skin needs to be abraded off. You look at the bottle and it's literally just hydrochloric acid. <laughs> I mean, not far off. I have like trying to find body wash. I have literally like just trying to find things that aren't hardcore detergents that are the exact same detergents you find in literally carburetor cleaner and other things. Is <laughs> It's hard. And I mean, and it's, ah, it's a thing. Yeah. And you know, I, uh, Personally, like I try to shy away from the like uh, over like there, there's some in in some cases bad faith uh, people who will use these kind of comparisons of like this is the same kind of X that's used in carburetor cleaner or jet fuel or whatever like to like make it out as if it's like like uh, people do this with uh, <clears throat> soy is probably one of the more famous examples are like it has phytoestrogens in it and it's like do you understand like the difference between like a poisonous gas and table salt is one atom like telling me that it's a phytoestrogen and estrogen that's in plants it's like this is a fundamental misunderstanding of chemistry so like i get a little bit hairy on those but i understand where you're coming from on a, on like you know like it, that that may be pointing at something that, of like how extreme it is you know that's that's not not all of those comparisons are uh fraught with error it's more just a uh yeah i think that some people use those kind of comparisons in bad faith and i just wanted to communicate that we are not attempting to make any bad faith comparisons to make things sound worse than they are <laughs> I I agree completely. And that's like, I think a, a, a foundation of what we're going to be talking about today is the importance of critically analyzing things and just having a good, uh, solid, like a, a good foundation of critical, critical analysis. And, 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 and yeah, and in that, like when you're thinking about, well, hey, there's a product in a soap that I maybe don't want to be putting on my skin. There needs to be a reason for that beyond just like, oh, I find this in other products like you're going to find water and methyl alcohol in an extremely wide variety of products for a lot of purposes because those are both important elements of chemistry right uh you're gonna right. find methyl alcohol in hand sanitizers and shaving creams and in solvents for things that, that that's fine but i mean yeah like it needs to be that there is a like okay so a specific chemical compound that um you often find in detergents that is intended specifically for yeah like hard core detergent purposes that just isn't uh it, it, it's overly drying to your skin your skin doesn't need that like hard, you just don't need to use that on your skin it's just too much every day oh um, man it, like there just needs to be a thought process to it and a purpose. 
Yeah, and like to back that up a little bit, like, uh, you know, we're kind of sliding into this from a random direction, but I'll just throw out like a personal experience thing that I learned was like, you know, I, of course, like, you know, uh, grew up using all these like, you know, X for men type products. And, you know, I always kind of felt like my skin was like really dry and like itchy sometimes. Uh, I was like, whatever, you know, like skin can be dry and itchy, especially during hot year, summer, you know, times, whatever, just never really gave it like a much thought up until the point that like I got married and, you know, you're in the shower and um, you're like needing to clean yourself and you're like out of soap. And then it's like, well, my wife's right here. And it's like, well, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to be worried about smelling, you know, a little bit different. Like my wife will just go like, oh, you used my soap. And I'm like, yeah. So like, I just go ahead and use it because it's better to be clean. Don't want to, don't want to smell like garbage or whatever and like clean it off and then like realize, hey, not as dry and itchy as I was, you know, a few days ago, like, and just like kind of connecting certain things in your brain and come to realize that like I you start to notice like oh every time I use my four men thing it feels I feel like crap <laughs> uh, and it's like oh well hmm, maybe there's something to that yes exactly and I I went through that exact same process that was kind of the way I started really realizing that a lot of skincare products I was using were inferior and and this is the this, and this is kind of the part of the the pink tax blue tax that I think often hits it doesn't like in in personal care products i think it hits men hardest in this idea of like selling us things that are inferior products with uh bad faith arguments it's telling us that yeah this is for men because it's tough and it's you're tough and it's meant for your toughness like you know the idea of selling uh, men's soaps that are intended for the toughness of men you can wash mud and motor oil and everything else off your skin when like 90 percent of men have sedentary jobs behind a computer you're not needing to like uh scrub coal oil off of your skin like it's it, it they're, they're intentionally finding things that are not a positive ap- attribute to that product uh they have a product that has maybe some failings like they have a product that they have produced and hmm, this isn't ideal, but you know what we can do? We can market it to men with this angle and make a profit off of it. Yeah, if- and and people who do ha- have jobs like like uh, more blue collar jobs where their hands like get like some like hardcore gunk or whatever on them, like they have ways of getting that off. And it's usually soap. just soap and water. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's not special soap. It's like whatever soap their wife bought at the store. Like it's not like they don't need a special soap for it or like and if it's not the kind of thing that comes off a soap it's the kind of thing that comes off with a different material that putting it in soap doesn't help like yeah i mean like i i grew up we always had a jar of uh lava soap in the garage for that purpose it was like when you get you know oil and grease on your hands uh the lava soap is just it's like a hyper exfoliating soap but like we also even that we knew like oh you only use this if you have to because boy will it dry out your hands you wouldn't take a shower in this and companies started selling it to men to take showers with it and it's like no you're gonna have a bad time and and we see the same thing play out in in the pink tax uh, and like I said earlier with tools we see the same thing happen with tools where they will take 
we we have a hammer. It's made out of pot metal. It weighs half as much as you would want a hammer to weigh. So we're going to paint it pink and we're going to market it towards women. This is a good light hammer for women who aren't as strong as big manly men to use. It's both sexist, demeaning, and they're taking an inferior product and angling it in a way to market it uh, to sell a bad product and, and often for a higher price. Yeah, there's a whole lot of like um, garbage in the area of like hygiene and beauty that's like um like i think my wife got something once that if she didn't buy it explicitly it came in like she was getting this like subscription service of like makeup and beauty products uh one of those like you know box subscriptions that uh were a lot more popular a, a few years back um and they uh or she opened up the um uh the thing and there was this thing in it and something about it like caught my attention and I looked at it and like it had like all these claims about how it would just like 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 incredibly make your skin perfect and had like it was almost like this beauty panacea thing and like looked at it and the ingredients and I just kind of like did some some math in my head and I was like I'm pretty sure this is like 90% water <laughs> and it's just like it's just like complete made up marketing claims because they don't have to say like they could just say whatever they want on there like anyway uh yeah yeah, so there's a whole lot of grifts in in this space as well and so it's not surprising really that an a very easy grift is to just put four men or four women on a regular ass product and uh pretend like you've uh you know maybe you change your ingredients around a little bit so that no one can tell if they look or you know something but in a way that's like basically not a change and then uh you know just sell it for a higher price as if you've taken special care to make this particularly um um effective or helpful for for this subgroup of people uh when you absolutely haven't and then people people buy it because it just says that and they they assume in good faith that you know you wouldn't be saying that if it weren't true uh and it's just not and um you know like and it's and it's almost ludicrous on space sometimes because if you really think about it it's like how different is like men and women's skin like not really it's not a gendered thing skin isn't like there's i mean hormones in your body may affect certain levels of oil or whatever but not to the degree that like you're gonna need radically different products you know exactly and i and i think uh, two things off of that one is that like you know when we talk about how this is a grift there's nothing wrong like i I think we often want to get defensive when we talk about grifts that exist in our society because nobody wants to think that they're susceptible to a grift but we all are. I'm susceptible to it, especially like in this particular industry. I am very susceptible to the uh, Old Spice angle of grifting. Uh, I was literally about to say that as well. Like when they like, I love pirates. I have like pirate tattoos. I love piracy. And every time I come across like a deodorant or a body wash that's got like a pirate angle on it, um, I want it. I know it's not good, but I want it. And I mean, like, we're all susceptible to some emotional advertising of that nature. Um, 
but the other element of this and the reason why all of this exists, I think it's very important to like, it's like for me, when my eyes kind of opened to all of this was when it was just flat out told to me by marketing, uh, by, by, uh, academic, um, uh, academic professionals in marketing was when I was in college, my minor originally was, it was a marketing minor and I started taking classes in marketing. And they were talking about this exact thing and why it's a thing you do of uh, creating like it, that it's not really uh, often the best strategy to try to create like a universal product. You're not going to get everybody find a niche, find a target, carve it out. And then off. And then if you're if you are a large company, you want to carve out multiple niches so that you can play each end of the market against each other so that if you have a dip in one end of the market, you'll still be supported by another end of the market. It makes you more resilient. It's all of the and it, just all of these different things that it does for them. And it's one of the reasons why this exists. It is a fundamental part of product marketing and of capitalism to play us all against each other and to make us all feel feel like we are categorized into these little categories. This is both with gender, this is with race, this is with a whole wide variety of things. This is one of the reasons of why you like you see so much like racial advertising where uh like you know I, I remember in the early 2000s when I got cable for the first time and I rapidly noticed like the ads on BET were wildly different ads for the exact same products as every other channel. And also you would see different products advertised from the same company. Coca-Cola would spend way more money advertising Sprite to black audiences than it would advertising um, Coke or uh, I'm wanting to say Mountain Dew because that was just like a stereotypical white audience drink, but I actually don't think Coke owns Mountain Dew. But my point is, is still stands of like, you know, you, you, they do all of this segregation within our society that is intentionally fueled by capitalism, by marketing, by an, an, a, a desire to drive up profits. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole lot of dishonest profit motivation that goes on um, in this space, you know, specifically around the fact that, you know, like, as you mentioned, um, it's very difficult to um, have a product that is meant for everyone. You know, uh, how do you advertise to everyone? How do you get everyone to buy a thing? Obviously, like in some sort of abstract sense, it would be great to have a product that everyone wants and buys all the time. It's not so much that the, that's undesirable as just the road to get to that point is so unfathomably complex and impossible to approach that it's much better to have if you can instead advertise to women from the ages of 18 to 25 who like sports, that's a lot more uh, capturable and understandable, you know, like if you're targeting that, it's like, oh, okay, well, now we go get a famous female athlete. We put her in a commercial saying how this is the deodorant she personally uses and it keeps her, you know, nice and, and dry and smelling great, even when she's in the middle of her tennis match or whatever, and put her on a commercial and bam, you've got young women who are into sports, who need a deodorant. Like, 
that's an easy market to carve out. And then you, like you said, you can expand from there. But the fundamental thing to keep in mind here is that's not because the product is designed specifically for that group. Although it can be if there is a way to do that, to make it special for that group. But oftentimes it's not, it's explicitly done. Like they didn't make Sprite to be really tasty to black people specifically, right? They advertised Sprite to black people because it was easier to push a drink that and try to get certain drinks associated with certain cultures and expectations and stuff to make it so that it's easier to sell and move that product to that particular niche. Like, you know, and I realize I'm here repeating a little bit of what you said, but like, I think specifically like thinking about particular examples to realize like, this isn't like, this isn't like crazy. There's no like, there's no like conspiracy theory thinking here. It's not like, uh, see the evil capitalists are twirling their fingers and cackling as they divide us all into, into categories so that they can take all of our money. It's literally just like, okay, you have a product, you want to advertise it. You've got a problem. It's hard to do that to everyone. How can you narrow that down? How can you understand that problem? And you come up with solutions, but it does have this side effect of getting taxes, you know, uh, taxes is such a weird term in this particular case, like, you know, having up markup for things that fill a niche because they can pretend like it, it's special. And that if you go with some other product that's not for specifically for that niche, that you'll somehow be worse off. And you as a consumer, maybe, maybe you individually, you know, whoever's listening, you know, maybe have the time to when specifically research your shampoo and all the ingredients and all the possible shampoos and really figure out, is there really a shampoo that's very specifically for men that would be good for men over women because of some minor chemical difference in the hormone levels that results in this out, you know, thing of oil in your hair or whatever, like maybe there's something there, right? And, and you may do that research and find that there isn't anything there or that it is there, but it's minor or that it's there and it's real. But fundamentally, what we do know is we have found examples in which it isn't real and it's made up and it was just a excuse to upcharge on a product that was otherwise, you know, going to go for cheaper. And they also know that you can maybe, maybe you do that for your shampoo. Maybe you get into that, but are you also going to do it for your razors, your shaving cream, your underwear, your baby wipes, your uh, energy bars, your breakfast cereals, like, how many of these things are you really going to do? How many, how much of your time are you really going to spend being a truly, and I mean truly informed consumer? Because you can't, you cannot do it. Uh, and they know that. And at some point you're just going to be a Walmart and you're going to be like, ah, maybe it's BS, but I got to choose from one of these shampoos. And uh, this one says for men on it. And maybe that's BS, but you don't have time and they're exploiting that. And they're exploiting the fact that you'll also pay a little bit just because they're a little bit pandery uh, or because honestly, a lot of times you're not looking specifically at the price tag um, and uh, you end up paying more just because you were kind of vaguely looking like, oh, this looks like it's for me. And you move on with your life because you're a normal person who doesn't 
spend three weeks researching the perfect shampoo. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that's uh, an important element of that is that there is kind of um, in pricing structures. There's there really is two forms. We we often kind of get this social idea that pricing is directly related to the cost of production of a product, and I mean of course that factors in. Nobody is going to sell a product at a loss. Well. Most companies aren't going to sell a product at loss. Some companies become massive companies because they sell products at loss. Amazon. Um, but generally, the pricing of products is, well, and even in, that, even in those situations, the pricing of products is part of your marketing. It's a tool. It's a weapon you use in the industry. Um, marking up items can often increase the item's sales because it makes it appear to be more sought after. It makes it appear to be the better product. We often will look at the, like, it, it, this is a thing that many people will do, of looking at a shelf and then finding, like, okay, that's the cheapest product, that's the most expensive product, this product is somewhere in the middle. And some folks are going to go after the most expensive one. Some people are going to go after the one in the middle because they think that's going to be the the best, but it isn't marked. The compromise. The yeah. yeah, the compromise. Uh, and then there's also, then there's that of like, well, they're not going to look at the price. We're just, you know, trying to distract them from the price. Um, in all of those situations, the pricing is a part of the weaponization of that, uh, of of. of of, of all of that. And I mean, and even in a situation like where Amazon frequently sells uh, merchandise at a loss, like a lot of the Amazon particular, like the, I forget what their catchword for their best choice items are, their generic items. But a lot of that, a lot of those products are actually sold at a loss for Amazon. But that's because they're... Oh, you're talking about Amazon Basics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon Basics is often sold at a loss, uh, manufacturing loss, but that's because they're intentionally squeezing out the competition so they can later raise their prices and make it back. And in the meantime, they're getting investor shares, so it doesn't really matter to them whether they're selling at a loss or not. Um, that, that's a whole other concern when you're finding like dirt cheap things and just running for it. Uh, but that, just like you said, though, once you dive into all of this, it becomes because we consume so much in America both by necessity and by choice, it becomes overwhelming. It's just too much to even be an informed consumer on. Um, and that's where things do get complicated. I, I think a huge element of this, of how to become better at this, is to consume less. But that's, again, even easier said than done. Yeah, so that's it's a good point that you raise. And I think a really good example of pricing not being reflective of um, manufacturing or particularly a product's efficacy or, you know, relevance is uh, over-the-counter medicine. Like go to a Walmart, go to a local thing and just look at the Tylenol, the acetaminophen. Yeah, it's it's all the same. The dosage is exactly the same. The, act, the only active ingredient in them is acetaminophen or if you are more into ibuprofen, which is like what, Advil or something. Uh, like go and you can find the acetaminophen, right? And you will notice the active ingredient is exactly the same, the same dosage in all the, in all the packages there. The prices are different. There's no reason for that. Tylenol is banking on the fact that A, <laughs> you think of the name Tylenol before you think of the word acetaminophen. And B, that you are going to be like, my head hurts. I want to make sure my headache is going to go away because this sucks. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, be cheap about it. 
you know what I mean? Like there's this sense of like, when I really want something good to happen, I'm going to make sure I, you know, pony up and, and pay the, the premium price to get the best stuff, but it's not better. The active ingredient is the only thing that matters. And it's in the same amounts uh, at the same, like it's exactly the same between all of them. The cheapest one is identical to the most expensive one in every meaningful way, but it's like three or $4 more. And it's only because it says the name Tylenol on the front. And, uh, like it's a perfect example of exactly this like you know there is and and like obviously manufacturing like you said it has some information on price like you know you aren't you know however much it costs to make a tire is going to influence the price of that tire but it's also very naive to think that uh it is merely cost of manufacturing plus profit margin equals price it's way more complicated than that. And in time, and a lot of stuff that goes into the final price of an item is um, wildly irrational, uh, which like the, like the blue and pink tax, you know, thing we talked about, this is wildly irrational behavior perspective of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of things, like if people were going and being informed about it, it would be like, you're buying this thing, like, that's identical to another product but it says dude on the front and so you think that it's like better and you spend like twice as much on it but it's not and like so why would anyone charge that like shouldn't the market like solve that problem right if you're offering an identical product uh with just different packaging like in theory like that should go away but it doesn't and the reason is is that the market is not a rational place. <laughs> it really isn't. And I mean, and this is one of the reasons, like, I am openly and admittedly a terrible business person. Um, and this is part of the reason why I cannot grasp irrational concepts, and so much of it is irrational. Um, one of my only real, you know, like, personal businesses has been photography. And the reason I don't do it professionally anymore, largely, is I never was able to wrap my head around pricing um, because, like, I would run out and my first thought was like, okay, well, I, you know, coming from uh, coming from blue collar uh, backgrounds and service industry backgrounds and I'm, you know, like, I don't know, the way I looked at things was if I put in X amount of hours, I need X dollars. Um, and, and I want to serve as many people as possible. So I'm going to set my prices at this and that's going to make the income level I want and allow me to have as many customers as absolutely like as I can handle. And that pricing would never work for me because it was too low. It would be like, like a, a thing I was doing for a while was I was uh, doing headshots for college students and I was like pricing at like $20 for a headshot. Cause I was like, this is, this takes me like less than five minutes um, to do a couple of professional headshots for somebody. Uh, I've, I've got the studio set up. I'm ready to roll. Like I can, if I can just funnel people through here all day, I know there's enough people in this community. I know I can make it work. Yeah. $20 a headshot. Not a single soul would take me up on that when I, but if I was to bump that up to $500 or more for headshots, suddenly the business would roll in because then 
oh, well, this is this is a serious photographer. This is real. I'm really getting a better product now because I paid $1,000 for it or I paid $500 for it. Now I have the artistic product. And it's like, it was the same product at $20. And the and, absolute worst part of this, uh, and I know I don't have to explain this to you as a psych major, the absolute worst part of this is some degree, that's actually reality. Like, as like when it comes to things that are experiential and a little bit photography is kind of experiential, the experience of looking at the picture. Um, I know that they've done this like pizza, for example, uh, exact same pizza and sell it for $5, sell it for $20 and sell it for $200. And universally people report that the $200 pizza is extremely good and some of the best pizza they've ever had. And it's all exactly the same. And it's like, that's incredible. <laughs> like, so, um, so crazy that like that, that, you know, at some level, the actual experience is different purely on the fact that it costs more, even though the chemistry, the ingredients, everything in it is the same. It, it really is. And I mean, and I'm sure all the reasonable people out there listening to this are thinking like, oh, boo, who is you? Then just make... <laughs> a whole lot of money selling photos and uh, what's the problem here? Um, and, and I don't know, maybe this is an element of undiagnosed uh, mental illness with me, um, but it's just, I, I can't wrap my head around it and then therefore I can't force myself to do the thing because I'm just like, that, that's irrational. It doesn't make rational sense. But you're right, it is, and it is, a, like, it is a real thing. We do process the world in that way and it's really frustrating. Um, and I really like it, it. I don't know. It is a thing that really deeply frustrates me and I don't know what to do about it. Oh man. I mean, that's the thing is it's like kind of, uh, um, I get where you're coming from in the sense of like, um, it's a little bit, it feels a little bit gross to me, like in the times that, you know, like software engineering is um, a highly technical field. And obviously like there's a degree of paying for expertise. Um, but there are definitely um, times where like just, you know, like I know with the tools that exist out there, like how to do certain things very, very quickly things that I could charge. Like I, I don't work as a contractor. Uh, so like, I don't do this, but like, I know people that have and do, and um, you know, it's a thing that anyone could do if they're willing to, you know, get into it. And most of the, most of software contracting is marketing and sales and finding leads. Um, the, um, but you know, it's things that, you know, take like, an hour to do and that you can charge like you know several thousand dollars for um and there's just something that feels weird about that to me like the idea of like okay uh i did something for an hour and a half that'll be two thousand dollars please like um that just seems really wild uh, and I recognize that like, you know, people like this is not me making a commentary on the, the morality of, of people that do software contracting. Um, you know, uh, you're obviously like working for a company, 
like I make good money, probably the same amount of money as, as the people that are doing that same software contracting me. So some, at some level, I'm still doing that. Uh, but it, it feels a little, you know, uh, weird when it's so explicit. So I can kind of see what you mean by that. Like a thing that, you know, that you were willing to do happily for $20 a pop that now people will only buy for 500 at the same rate. And you're like, really? This I feel feels... like you guys are rip like it feels like you're ripping them off, even though you're not because they weren't going to buy it if it were twenty dollars. <laughs> like it's weird. Yeah, it feels like a grift. It feels, and I'm not saying the photographers yeah. out there working for these kinds of monies are grifters. They're not. And there's a lot of argument to be put into in both of our fields to be put into this of like, well, they're not just paying for that half an hour. They're paying for the 20 years of experience and the eight years of college experience and the whatever it took you to get there. And and I I think there's some validity to that, but it doesn't help it not feel weird. And uh, some people, I, th I think some people are able to work through that weirdness. I just never was. And I changed industries, but um, yeah. And, and yeah. yes, I, I think all of that kind of works into this definitely into the same topic this is all it's all consumerism and why we consume things the way that we do and how we consume them the way that we do i think with a lot of the products like we're talking about today i i, I to reiterate i think a lot of the issues in our society in general are caused by our overconsumption. Uh, this goes into climate issues of course uh, but all in and in, in general economic issues um the state of the world is a lot of overconsumption. And that's also what drives a lot of this. If we were more rational consumers taking our time and not buying things for purposes that are irrational, I don't know. I don't like to say that we could push the industry because I really don't believe that. I don't think there is this massive strength of consumer power. Um, but well, I, I think, I think you're, you're getting close to, to me, what is to me the actual diagnosis here, which is that like the inherent problem with all of this, the reason that, you know, uh, the reason that we charge different prices for the same medicine, the reason that we charge twice as much for pink razors, the reason that we charge, you know, more for, you know, dude body wash or whatever, like, yes, it's ultimately irrational. And yeah, there's like, you know, things about marketing, consumerism and all that. But fundamentally, the only reason anyone's doing any of that, the only reason anyone bothers to do those things in the first place is a profit motive. And to me, that's the kind of sticking point is the profit motive has a certain like difficulty you know like and and i want to i want to you know make it clear here you know we're not talking about like profit in the sense of like uh some you know it costs you 25 dollars to for all the materials to buy i think you should charge 25 dollars to it. it's not something as naive and dumb as that uh, obviously people need to be paid for their time, for their labor, all that stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's the fact that the profit motive often becomes wholly disconnected from 
human need, human desire, human benefit, and becomes like sometimes almost gluttonously so uh, exploitative of consumers and workers. And like, to me, the diagnosis here is, you know, uh, if you want, because like, for example, the pink tax has, has been, has gotten plenty of attention, right? And we're kind of talking about like, we're, we're kind of talking about that. We've mentioned a lot of stuff that's around men's products, something you might call a blue tax, but like, I think you can have a semantic debate about whether or not it's useful to separate those two concepts or not. Like, I, I want to eschew all that and just say like, whatever the hell you want to call it, like gendered price markup, get, you know, okay, let's set all that aside, right? If, if, if you want to get rid of that, the goal isn't like, because, because like, I'm oh, sorry, let me step back. The, the pink tax got a lot of attention and a lot of like, hey, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. None of those products got off the shelves. And what did companies do in response? They just made male versions of the products. That, that's not what anyone wanted. <laughs> no one was like, hey, it really sucks that you're charging women you know, way more for razors than men. And then they were like, how about razors for men? And you're like, no, no, we just, just sell razors. And like, but that was the response because they don't have, because they were like, oh, you're right. We should be more inclusive by carving out a different niche for the group that we were previously neglecting or assuming as default. And then we can charge men more for razors. But the problem here is, is this is the weakness of, of like, you know, like I think modern day is being called like rainbow capitalism, but any for, sort of like progressive capitalism is gonna have this inherent problem in that fundamentally at its very, very heart, capitalism is fueled by the profit motive. And the profit motive is in cases like these, the problem. So, you know, I'm not going to be necessarily in the business of saying exactly what needs to be done because I feel like, you know, you get too much into utopian sort of things. And I'm not personally big into uh, utopian style thinking. I don't find it to be very pragmatic, but um, except in, in the case of like giving you sort of like a light in the distance to, to go towards vaguely. Um, but like fundamentally, if what you want is to just stop having these dumbass products where, you know, we have pink razors and blue razors that cost 50% more than the black razors and are all identical. Like if you, if you look at that and that really annoys you and you go like, I wish we, that we could get them to stop doing that. The only way to do it is to remove the profit motive. And there are solutions for that, <laughs> you know, uh, people have really good ideas around on that and i would suggest anyone who is really dedicated to that go look those up um there's some really good ideas out there that don't involve uh saying that a company's sexist because they sell pink razors because that's not going to do anything um you have to fundamentally change the way that people work with the way that products are made um in a in a way that you know gets rid of that sort of 
motive from its core. Agreed. And I mean, and, and I think something important to, and I, I hope I'm not pulling us too far off topic here, but I think this really throws an exclamation on an important part of this. Um, and, and an important thing to think about is when we think about, well, we just need to cancel X companies or however you want to phrase that. We need to go after X companies and, 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 and you know, penalize them for their actions. It's important to recognize that a lot of these companies that we're talking about, it's not just that they've existed for a long time. We have a lot of companies that exist in our current capitalist sphere that, uh, man, this is, when you look at Bayer, Bayer was a company that was involved with selling certain drugs to the Nazis. So many companies in our sphere were involved in the war effort of world, uh, in in the very in the fascist end of the world war effort. Mitsubishi, uh, Mercedes, Volkswagen. Um, <laughs> I mean, like the list goes on here. Uh, uh, the the Nazi uniforms were created by um, oh, what's the company? It's huge now. Uh, Hugo Boss. They made all the Nazi uniforms. Like, and I'm not saying this of like, a, we have to cancel these companies now because they did this. I'm saying it's been 75 years. That doesn't work. These, the, the machines of industry aren't something you're going to be able to cancel or like, yeah, you're right. And there are... what's, what's going to happen if you succeed? You, you've cut the head off. Right, you've canceled the big bad company doing the sexist, the sexism. It's a hydra. You cut its head off, and two more grow in its place, and they do the same thing. Or sometimes they do it much worse. <laughs> like, and 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 the fundamental, the body of that hydra, the thing that you actually need to kill, is. Well, you can we can have all kinds of discussions about what the real body of the Hydra is, but like, I mean, just look at corporate consolidation stuff about like how many companies are um, consolidated under stuff. Like, I mean, for example, you mentioned Bayer. You know, Bayer acquired some recently. Monsanto. Like, you think you're gonna cancel a company that can buy Monsanto? <laughs> like. These people have more money and power than any of us can 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 fathom in any kind of meaningful way. Like you you successfully doing you know getting stuff done on Twitter, you know getting some company canceled or whatever, they could just start two identical companies in its place, both of whom immediately come out and, and say like we condemn the thing. You should try our pink acetaminophen. Like <laughs> it's you're not. The the problem is like it your the lens there is only social and there's not a you're not realizing that the fundamental problem there is profit motive you have to get at the core of it because fundamentally you're not going to get where you need to be by making capitalism nicer to women or nicer to men or nicer to black people or nicer to uh, homosexual people are nicer to any particular marginalized group. It like fundamentally, when it comes down to brass tacks, the only goal of that company is to extract as much money from any of these groups as possible. 
And when being nice to them stops working, they will stop doing it. And so you are in a position of having to be flawlessly vigilant in order to make it the way that you want it to be. You have to find every single company that ever does a bad thing and cancel them in order to get it where you want to be. And you're never going to do that. There are thousands of these and they get away with horrendous shit constantly that goes completely unnoticed. The only solution is to extricate the underlying cause, which is the desire to make money at the expense of someone else. Now, again, if a natural question is like, okay, how do I do that? That's a big complicated thing. And it's not at all um, like, <laughs> it's an entire academic field. So like, <laughs> not gonna be able to say like, okay, so the next thing you do is X and then uh, the revolution happens or anything like, you know, stuff like that. I'm a very pragmatic person at heart. And I recognize that, you know, it's easier said than done to extract the profit motive from all human interaction. Uh, <laughs> But I think it's, it's an important first step to recognize that that's what the problem is. And going and yelling at Bic for making pink razors isn't solving the problem. Someone else will just make pink razors and maybe you can cancel them, but they won't care because by the time you cancel them, they'll have made millions of dollars on their pink razors. And their job is done at that point. Oh, they got canceled? Crap. Well, I guess we'll take pink razors off the shelves for a while until people stop noticing and then we'll put them back up and people will buy them again until we get canceled again and we make a little extra money in the meantime and they'll they're happy to go through that cycle they've done the math they know it's profitable they'll keep doing it a hundred percent and i mean and yeah and i think you make an important point in that like all of this isn't meant to black pill you it isn't meant to make you feel like there is no light at the end of a tunnel there's no possible thing we can do we're fighting an, an undefeatable leviathan who can never be taken down it's not it's not like that um it's just recognizing yeah that, that, that there are, are efforts it, that the efforts have to be in measure and with purpose and uh with an understanding of the problem being a lot more expansive than uh where any of us are comfortable with but that's not to say that it's like an impossible thing it it is to say that the purpose of this podcast is getting at a very important part of this, and that is that it has to be a multi-generational effort. The way we process and come to our own self-understanding of things and then teach and raise our kids is all critical in this. Uh, it's also critical to organize organize within your community form bonds with your neighbors and community members that are not based on profit that are based on community and build this the, all the stuff we're talking about here this kind of a culture build that in your community i promise it already exists there it, it exists and you probably don't know about it um you know, there are organizations all over the country right now that focus on mutual aid, uh, focus on co you know, community efforts. It's not even all political stuff. It's 
it can be in any any sort of any sort of way. Uh, like you know, Missouri and Missouri, there's the Southwest uh, Missouri Solidarity Network. It's a great group of people that like kind of has an umbrella uh, an umbrella goal of just helping folks in the community. They do mutual aid events. They do um, you know repair vehicle repair stuff. They teach people skills, and it's all without a profit motive. It's not about profit. It's just about community. Uh, we, of course, are a part of the Red Dirt Collective, which does the same thing here in central Oklahoma. Random off-topic question. Are we central Oklahoma? Is that what we call ourselves? Uh, we tend to focus specifically on Norman, uh, just as a, um, I think, you know, it's definitely an effort we'd like to see replicated in other municipalities as well. Um, but currently Red Dirt Collective is very focused on Norman, although we do have some participants from around central Oklahoma that don't necessarily live directly in Norman. Yep, fair. Yeah. And I mean, and it, yeah, and this is, I, I know I've, I've met organizations across Texas that do this, across Florida that do this, across Portland, uh, Portland and Oregon and California. This is everywhere. The people are doing good community work everywhere, organizing with those folks, learning more pro and, 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 you know, dismantling these systems within your own communities is an immensely powerful thing that we are just now starting to see some of the power of. So, yeah, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Don't feel hopeless, but definitely recognize that, yeah, this that fighting in. It's not even that something is performative or not performative. That's not the important thing. It's what is important is the effect of actions. Don't any action you take that doesn't have a measured effect. Um, there's a there's a question to be made there as to whether or not that's the thing you want to put your energy to. You know, I wake up in the morning. Not just a I, measured effect. I, I would like to add, not just a measured effect, but a theory of change. Yes, I think it's very important because. Getting canceled on Twitter has a measurable effect, uh, but it doesn't have a theory of change, which is why it seems like an endless cycle, seems to me at least, like an endless repetitive cycle of uh, finding the next biggest meanie to cancel uh, without any sort of ultimate end goal in mind. Um, you know, I think having measurable effective actions that are part of a larger theory of like this is how this these kinds of things will build up into a whole movement or into a whole community or a whole you know alternate system or whatever like you need to have a coherent idea behind every action that you take being part of a larger strategy because otherwise you are, there are traps uh, by what um, action traps that are set up in society to capture people that want change and trick them into feeling like they're doing something productive when the system has already accounted for people doing this sort of thing. And it just feeds off of that exactly. It's a, it's a honey pot. Uh, of of political activity um and so you know i think the way to avoid those kinds of things is to have a theory of change and an understanding of how those actions contribute to an effective larger strategy 
I agree completely. And I never even, I've never thought of it in that way, but you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there anything more on this subject uh, you feel like we need to uh, uh, hammer down on? Uh, I'll just say, um, you know, just just have a little voice in the back of your head every time you reach for a thing that says, you know, X product for men. It says like, do I really need this? Or can I just get like, is there like a generic version of this that's the same, you know? Or even like, even don't even bother checking with the same. Just try the generic version. See if you feel any different. Bet you won't. And I bet you'll be happier that you saved a couple extra bucks. Yeah. Do that a bunch of times over the course of a year. You probably saved a couple hundred dollars. Go buy yourself something nice at that point. You know, just uh, have a little voice in the back of your head. A little extra skepticism about how stuff is marketed to you. I agree. And and have a conscious, like, like and, a, and a big part of that is having just a, having a conscious thought to reduce your consumption. And this isn't to say that you need to just tomorrow just chop and slash and consume nothing and adopt a Marie Kondo lifestyle and such and so <laughs> forth. Like, a lot of that has, there, there are class issues to that. It is harder for, you know, I, I come from, like, like, I get it. I've, I've been, like, I, I've been through, it's hard when you don't have much to uh, have that minimalist style of and, and not consume because we actively make it, We our systems are designed to make poor people consume more, uh, mm -hmm. to have to consume more. Uh, and that's a I whole actually other think that the <laughs> I think, actually think that the, uh, the focus on individual consumption is an example of a honeypot. The system is like capitalism has adjusted to, capture people that try to focus on individual consumption as the axis of change is an entire marketing strategy to like market to, you know, you know, I, I want my ethically sourced organic worker owned coffee, whatever that costs $600 a pop, like that has funneled that sort of activity into a bunch of like classist wealth gated stuff. Yeah, don't don't focus on all that. If like, just use less. Yep. Just if use less. Yeah, if you can, if you can. And if you like, can't, that's fine. Yeah. No one should be judging you. You know, it's not an like the ultimately it's not an individual's problem. No, it's it, a systemic one. For for I mean like especially like you know and I already mentioned Amazon Basics when we think about like we worry so much about how much we consume, but a lot of consumption isn't actual in that like. Amazon Basics with, was throwing out entire warehouses of product just to make um, there be scarcity in the market. Like, this was a thing we caught earlier this year because they ended up with a bunch of extra... I, I, I don't really know the ins and outs of it, but yeah, they were destroying product purely for um, industrial reasons of, like, scarcity and market reasons is what I'm trying to say. Every but, single time I hear a story like that, the the image that jumps to mind is one from um i think it's from and it's been a while so you have to forgive me if this is wrong i think it's from grapes of wrath uh, the it's probably at least a steinbeck novel um but there's an image in one of them i think it's grapes of wrath of them being of, of having all these people during the depression terribly hungry and in order to 
uh, has something to do with like in order to keep the orange prices high or something because no one can afford oranges anymore. There's some scene where there's this giant pile of oranges and they're just spraying it down with this chemical that's causing them all to like rot and destroy away. Um, and it, like while this rotting pile of fruit is just surrounded by desperate hungry people and like like that is exactly the image I have in my head every single time I hear about this like throwing away warehouses of products to manipulate the price of the market in a thing when there's like people out there who could use that you know almost like in Portland in 2020 when there was unhoused people circling a dumpster where they were compacting non-perishable food waste uh, so that people couldn't have it um sorry you <laughs> Your image gave me an immediate, yeah. direct, um, in our own time. To me, it's that kind of thing that just like, like I immediately just go like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily need a complete analysis of all of society and capitalism and all that stuff. Like, like at the point that like there are like, like, at the point that there are people who are hungry, and simultaneously non-perishable food is being thrown away and destroyed something is wrong <laughs> that doesn't make any sense out of like like the fact that there are homes that there are houses that exist that don't have people in them and that no one is buying and that there are homeless people at the same time something is wrong at just like a deeply moral level to me you just have to look at that and be like no that doesn't make any sense whatever causes this outcome has some fucked up logic to it. <laughs> yep. I've got nothing more to add to that. Exactly that. I think that's a great place for us to uh, end this week. Um, any la Well, but aside from that, any last comments? Uh, no, I think that I think I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> rants for the day um yeah i feel very strongly about this i think we both do and it's uh um it's def definitely something i'd like to see get better in our lifetimes agreed uh i think i've already given several plugs uh today uh do you have any additional plugs you would like to give nope if you have a local organization uh, even if it's not local to this area, uh, to like the area of Oklahoma where we're at, um, if you have a local organization or uh, other kind of um, project that um, you think uh, is supportive of those who are uh, most in need, either marginalized communities or um, the poor and working class of the United States, um, let us know. We'd be happy to plug and use the uh, tiny platform that we have to signal boost uh, that just a little bit. So yeah, if you have something you'd like us to uh, mention, just reach out. We don't charge just uh, all for um, solidarity. A hundred percent. And also um, if you're out there and you keep hearing us saying, find a local organization and you're like, I don't know of any, you're crazy. They don't exist here. Uh, also reach out and I might be able to help you. So yeah, post I'm, on the Facebook page. We will we will do our darndest to find you one. Yep. <laughs> because everyone should get plugged into something somewhere. Hundred percent. Well, 
thank you, Philip. Uh, thank you, everyone at home. Have a wonderful evening, afternoon, morning, or whatever time of day it is. Thank you.